0: Today's guest has covered everything from major wildfires to devastating floods, but now he takes us to some of the northernmost regions of our planet to explore the world's largest island, and it's frozen. Weather Channel correspondent Dave Malkoff visited Greenland recently to highlight the dramatic changes that have been occurring due to our changing climate. Are we too late to save some of these ice sheets, or is there still hope for the polls? Dave, thank you for joining me on the Weather Geeks podcast. Thanks for having me, Dr. Shepard. Before we get into the Greenland discussion, and I know there's quite a bit to discuss because you are going to be talking a lot about uh, Explore uh, Meltdown and some of the things you've been doing there uh, in this exciting project. But the last time you were on the podcast, we were talking about wildfires. And as we're taping this, uh, we're talking about some of the most unprecedented fire weather in Southern California. Uh, Gusts of 70, 80 miles per hour, relative humidity is 3 to 6 percent. This is perfect firewood. I know you have some experience and background there. I mean, and I know the Santa Ana winds are kicking in. So, uh, Northern California, Southern California, dealing with fires. What are your What are your thoughts on it today? In particular, is one of the worst days in Southern California. Yeah. They're
1: releasing what's called an extreme fire danger, and uh, and. Uh, extreme red flag warning it's actually called and and i I haven't heard of that before and a lot of people have never heard of that before it's it's unprecedented in in many people's cases to hear that from the national weather service and actually have there's going to be so much wind there's going to be it's going to be so hot and so windy and and the humidity is going to be so low that this fire is just going to go out of control and i i was there just this month covering uh covering the Saddle Ridge fire and it's it's an amazing military operation that these mutual aid teams go through you have all of your local firefighters, you have your county firefighters, you have your federal firefighters in some cases, and also CAL FIRE, and they all work together. They have their own radio channels that they talk to each other on. They have Mm. their morning meeting that they go to. So they're coordinating with each other. So it's amazing to watch that operation actually happen. So not only do you have this unprecedented warning out there, but you do have... In and it's lucky for California that that and and it's I guess it's probably not lucky, but but it's it's good for California Fortuitous, that they yeah. it's fortunate for California that they have the best in the business team out there who knows the terrain and has been dealing with this for a century or more. When it comes to when you go to you know national uh, fire agencies and and they have. All of the knowledge and all of the technology, and they're working with new technology to try to give themselves a leg up on this, uh, on this firefighting that they have in these very, very hilly, windy areas.
0: And we're talking with Dave Malkoff, who's Weather Channel correspondent. But to give some context on why I asked that question previously, Malkoff worked as a science and technology reporter at KTLA-TV in Los Angeles. Uh, Malkoff was also a reporter for KCBS-TV, KCAL-TV, both CBS flagship stations in LA. So he knows the terrain there. He's covered wildfires, earthquakes, the space industry. He's won an Emmy Award for his reporting during Iraq in the final days of Operation Iraqi Freedom. So uh, this is someone that had some knowledge there, local knowledge, and as we're taping this on the eve of Halloween, uh, I, I wanted to take that opportunity to get his insight on what's going on there. Uh, now to the ice side of Fire and Ice, because I, as I mentioned to someone got earlier... These two stories going on at, at the, the same, same time. time. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, you know I'm, I just noticed Pat Benatar is up for a nomination into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and she has a song called Fire and Ice. Yeah. As we're talking <laughs> that I guess that could be the, the uh, title of this podcast, although I see we're calling it TWC Explorers Meltdown. Speaking of that, you recently released three pieces on the Weather Channel highlighting your visit to Greenland. This will be kind of sort of, Put together as a long form, hour long special in November called Meltdown. So tell us when that's going to air and tell us a little bit about it.
1: It's November 17th at 10 p.m. Eastern time on the Weather Channel. Okay. What we do is we go out there and it's a very small team. It's just me and photographer Bradley Reynolds. And we go out there with small cameras and, and backpacks and we kind of do guerrilla journalism out there. And what we get, because we've been doing this, this is our 13th special here on the Weather Channel, and what we get is a hour-long documentary, but from that hour-long documentary, we're always thinking, what are the small pieces that we can break out and put on The Morning Show? What are pieces that we can put on this podcast? What are pieces that, we, that we'll that play on the web? Small things that will run on Twitter. So we're trying to tell a story in so many different ways over so many different platforms, but it's, it's one big story, and it, it, it really is... I think the biggest story of our time is this warming planet and how it's going to affect possibly billions of people around the world. And we just learned this morning from this New York Times article and and from the work at Climate Central where the areas that they thought would be inundated in huge impact of of a sea level rise in Asia – They've underestimated that because of in its technical because of the the radar and lidar data they not Oh didn't we can know. this is weather geek, oh, so yeah, we love yeah, to
0: geek yeah. out here so you so, can get a technical as you need to So
1: I I I didn't uh, I I didn't do the research but I can I can tell you what happens in the United States. In the United States we have very very detailed lidar uh, which is
0: laser sort of detection of uh, when you're yeah, talking about it's, lidar it's similar planes, to radar.
1: Yeah it's planes going over places like New Orleans where where they can, they can map out in full res detail exactly how high that garbage can is, how high that building is, how high that levee is. They know exactly the terrain of the surface underneath. So they have gone with this high res lidar and back and forth and back and forth. And they, they've actually at, at, um, at, at certain universities, they have printed out Actual models of the Mississippi River Basin. And the details are so tiny that you can see a garbage dump and the little bits that are coming out of the garbage dump. So it is very, very detailed. In Asia, We don't have that type of information just yet because they're relying on satellite data that has these very fat beams that come down from space. It gives you an idea of the topography of the ground underneath, but you don't necessarily know exactly how high this area is. So places like uh, Bangladesh, places like uh, uh, Vietnam, and the Maldives, and uh, even even places uh, like Shanghai – are going to be much more inundated with water by 2050 than we thought it would be because we didn't have – the information or the climate scientists didn't have the information until right now.
0: And now make the connection because you spent so much time in Greenland. And so the listeners may not realize what the connection is between an ice sheet like Greenland and sea level rise that could impact Miami or uh, Tokyo. So make that connection.
1: Let me let me break it down for you this way. Say you're at a diner and you're sitting at, at the table and you have you've you've just ordered your food and the waitress gives you a glass of ice water and she puts it on your table and it's it's a glass and it has liquid water in it and it also has frozen water on top of it if that ice inside the glass melts nothing's going to happen to your glass that is sea ice that is that is analogous to to sea ice that comes from the north pole that breaks off and there is a huge sheet of ice there's not really much land up on the north pole canada ends at some point and russia ends at some point and it just becomes this sheet of ice and that that melts and it freezes and it melts and it freezes during the seasons But uh, if that breaks off and comes into the ocean, that's not going to do anything to sea level rise. It's never going to make your glass overflow. But if the waitress comes to your table and pours more ice into your glass, you have water all over the place. It's all over the table, and it's flooding onto your table, and it's causing all sorts of problems for you. That is the land-based ice. And this land-based ice usually never interacts in a major way with the water. But now scientists have seen these huge chunks calving off of Greenland, which is one of our main storage areas on on Earth, in, including in Antarctica, for, uh, for fresh water. So we have this fresh water that's a massive ice sheet that's— I believe it's five times the size of Texas that's on top of Greenland. And if that whole thing were to melt, it could raise sea levels around the world by...
0: More than 20 feet. And you do hear that. And so I want 20 feet of melt. Now, now that's sort of the extreme worst case scenario. It's nearly impossible, impossible, for that impossible to happen, to happen. Yes, but yeah. we certainly are getting melt. Now, you know, just to give some statistics that my producers have prepared, and I want to sort of get you to react to them. Five million Olympic sized swimming pools of ice melt happened in one day on August 1st, 2019. That's their uh, record melt it, of Record, one day. Yeah. record melt. Uh, in recent years, Greenland has melted off more than it has gained in snowfall, four uh, plus trillion tons in the last 15 years. I know you've been up there and you you've visited some of the glaciers there you've've you've stepped on the glaciers or stepped there what glaciers did you visit and what did you see and and tell us a little bit more about what glaciers are and how they sort of are a part of that melting process that we've talked about
1: so a, a glacier is the tongue that sticks out from a ice sheet so imagine this uh, this this country Greenland um, being covered by a giant ice sheet and there's there's little tongue That stick out into the ocean As the uh, ice sheet naturally breaks off And melts into the ocean And these tongues are tiny When you see them from space But if you step on them Your whole view of what a glacier is Is changed in your mind Because I had no idea In fact, let me take you to uh, Iceland which is just next door to Greenland. And let me show you what it's like to actually step on a glacier for the first time. The moving walkway. Just like you, I've spent years looking at videos and photos of glaciers. I thought I knew what they were. I assumed I understood the
0: basics. Have a pleasant stay here in Iceland. Or- in truth, most people on Earth will never stand on a glacier. They're, they'll never see a glacier. They'll never be near one.
1: It's a two and a half hour drive out to the Salaman Yurkut Glacier on the southern coast. It is five miles long, more than a mile wide. Yet it doesn't make the top 10 list of biggest glaciers in Iceland. This is where the glacier used to be in 2010. Glacier expert Gotti Sigurðsson took us out to what is now the closest parking lot to the mass of ice.
0: It we see it's about 30 to 60 feet every year. So if we look behind us, it's going to just move further back.
1: In the last decade or so. So I see changes here every day. It's melted back nearly eight football fields.
0: Oh yeah, I've been here for the past 15 years. I've seen the whole thing moving out.
1: Whoa! I don't even know what to say. That's impressive. (laughs) Told you, I never truly understood the scale of it all until that moment. The crystal under our feet glistening like diamonds. This is all going to be gone? This is all going to be gone. How fast? I mean, this tongue is gonna be gone in our lifetime, in about 50 years. We have to get used to Iceland without glaciers. What will you call it?
0: Well, we probably have to find a new name, like Windland or something like that. Meltland? Meltland, or Niceland, I would like that. Niceland? And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast, and you just saw an amazing demonstration there from Dave Malkoff, who's been there. He's been on the ice. And so he understands, he's seen with his own eyes what the dynamic changes are and happening. And as you heard there, what is going on? Um, It's not just melt. On the top of the ice from these glaciers as well. Apparently, there's melt underneath as well. Yeah. Talk there, a little bit about that. There's three different kinds
1: of melt that are happening. There's melt from the top, which happens when the when the sun gets warm and it, it melts the ice from the top, which you would naturally think. But there's also melt inside the glacier. There are these, it's it's not one big thick chunk of ice it's got holes in it and these holes are called mulans. and there's water flowing through these holes just like you would probably see on a cartoon where where you see the uh, which which cartoon was that where where they uh I, I, yeah, I <laughs> my can't. kids haven't gotten that, that old where, where they where they've seen that cartoon, but I've seen I've seen a uh, a clip of it. But but you see uh animals sliding through it like it would be a water yeah, slide. Inside. That thing actually happens. There are Mulans where the ice is undermined by the water from the surface and it actually forms these holes inside there and then eventually the holes are exposed and cause Ice tunnels and and ice uh, caves that are underneath there, but the third kind of melting that's happening. And NASA uh, JPL is doing some research with Josh Willis and his uh, Ocean's Melting Greenland team, which is stands for OMG.
0: i yeah, ac- with the OMG. <laughs> that's their acronym. They're there? very contemporary in terms of the acronyms. <laughs> <Yeah. and> NASA <laughs> loves its acronyms. As someone who worked there, I know for a
1: fact. So so they so what they're doing is putting probes all around Greenland, and they're dropping these from an airplane to test the ocean salinity and, more, more importantly, the temperature of how hot or how cold the water is around Greenland. You know what they found? They found that through the Gulf Stream, there's actually uh, tropical water, and you know how hot the tropics are. Sure, right especially now. the Gulf Stream is a yeah. warm current that moves yeah. forward. Yeah, so so the so the hot tropical water is finding its way up to the uh, to to the Greenland ice sheet, and it keeps just enough of its hot temperature to undermine the underside of the glaciers. So the glaciers are sitting in water. You see the top part of it, but most of it is underneath. And this water, if it's just a couple degrees above freezing, something that's not freezing is melting. So if you have water that's just a couple degrees above zero centigrade, then you actually have... A, uh, a a way to undermine the underside of the glacier. So they're seeing this massive meltdown, which is happening underneath the glaciers. And when you melt the underside, you're getting these giant calving events. There was one that was caught on tape by uh, NYU scientists where they actually saw, and this is just, it's only unprecedented for a human to see this. This probably happens all the time, but they saw a giant chunk come off of there that was the size of Lower Manhattan. So if you draw a, a box wow. from uh, from Battery Park up to Central Park, this this whole huge chunk broke off in about thirty minutes, and the the amount of ice there was called ten gigatons. Yes. Now what is that? Even one gigaton is unimaginable. It's an ice cube that's. Um, it's many, many times higher than the Washington Monument, and it would stretch from, on the National Mall, it would stretch from the Capitol Steps all the way to the Lincoln Memorial. This giant ice cube, that's one gigaton. This this event was 10 times larger than that, and it's caught on camera. You can hear it cracking away. It's a, it's a massive event that actually scared the scientists who were looking at it. Uh, Denise Holland told me That when she recorded this event, she was actually scared. She didn't know exactly what
0: was going to happen because... It, really, no human that we know of has recorded that. Absolutely. Yeah, There's, These are, there are things that are happening. And that's one of the things we've often talked about with climate change. Sure, the climate changes naturally, and we've seen some of these things happening before. But many of us as scientists worry about how fast or how rapidly some of these things are happening in sort of recent decades. Now, one of the things that I know you did as a part of that is you flew in a plane, or someone did. Were you actually on the plane that dro- flew in a plane at least that dropped instruments yes, into the yeah, water? Yeah, we, we, and, and, and I was able to drop the drop songs out. So these yeah, are called yeah. drop sons. We use them in hurricanes as well. And the hurricane hunters fly in and drop, drop these drop sons and they take measurements. But these drop sons are getting at temperature, as you just said, but also salinity. I want to stay there for a second because I think it's more intuitive why we want to understand the temperature of the water, but the salinity. What many people may not understand is that a lot of the water coming off of these ice sheets, like Greenland's, fresh water. The ocean water is salty. And so when you mix fresh water and salt, you start also changing ocean currents. So talk about that part of the problem.
1: It's interesting because it doesn't necessarily mix right there.
0: Exactly.
1: It, uh, it stays as a layer cake. You have a, a layer of cold fresh water on top, but then you've got the salty ocean water on the bottom and it kind of stays because it's heavier it kind of stays on the bottom and the fresh water stays on the top eventually down the line it does mix and that's that's what causes problems but when it's sitting there it's actually staying in two separate layers and as you go down deeper you're going to get warmer and you're going to get saltier as you go down deeper and that's what each one of these two they, they drop 250 uh, drops on during this year, and this is a five-year mission, so they've got really, really high-res data there, and, the, and then other people are flying planes over Greenland, doing that LIDAR stuff that, that we were talking about before, actually, and an uh, and ice-penetrating radar, looking down into, past the ice sheet into, actually, the bedrock and seeing, uh, there are actually, uh, I believe, lakes inside the glacier of this of this melted water and that's undermining mm-hmm. that. Now we talked about how there's it could be twenty feet of sea level rise. Well that's not gonna happen. You that would be a extinction level that's event a, if, exactly. if, if that happened. Right. But um, but just one foot of sea level rise would have devastating impacts here in the United States in places like Miami Beach where uh, where they have not only uh, sea level rise coming up, but they also on the on the coasts. But they're in in Miami and the Keys. They're built on coral, and so this coral is porous, and the and the water is going to come up from underneath as well. So it's not just a Right on the coast story. It's a inland story yes. too, and and
0: now and there's saltwater intrusion. I understand too there in terms of the drinking water supply because of that porosity of the of the soils and the and the landmass.
1: It's a whole new way of thinking that yeah. insurance companies are looking into now. Yeah. They're building
0: these sea level maps, and it's very controversial. Right. Well, yeah. I want to talk about that because you talked to Dr. Howe. How is that? How you say her name? Simini. Simini. Yes. Dr. Yeah, yeah. Howe. In Houston. And you talked about how people there perceive climate change. Houston is right on the coast. It's there in Galveston Bay. They deal with sea level rise. I'm sure some of the landmass is subsiding as well. And they deal with hurricanes. We've seen Harvey and just recently this year, Tropical Storm in Meldon, all the flooding. It's a perfect place for flooding. Irrespective of changing climate, but you add these sort of heavy rain systems on top of it, and it's a worst case scenario with all the impervious surfaces. What was that conversation like with her? Well, she's she's
1: a cultural anthropologist, and it, meaning that she sees climate change as not an environmental issue as much as a social issue, and uh, and this this has an impact on possibly the latest numbers are anywhere. From hundreds of millions of people to 1.5 billion people will be displaced by 2050, meaning they'll have to move from the area where they live on the coast. And that will be a massive migration of people that the world has never really seen before. That causes a lot of conflict. And that, that's, that's a real danger to have all these people moving around. Who, where are they going to move to? What kind of resources do they need? They need to build new houses where we can lose large cities in in some cases, so she's she's looking into that but w- what's happening right now? We do have a uh, sea level rise that's happened over the past fifty years in the Galveston Bay in Houston and Beaumont in those areas around there that have been affected by hurricane harvey and and by imelda and uh since not only do we have the the sea level rising but we also have what's called subsidence we have the land sinking so if you think if you put your two hands right next to each other and one goes up and one comes down you have a larger distance between those two fingers so the land is sinking and the sea is rising a bit so any amount of flooding Is exacerbated by this kind of sea level rise that's coming from the
0: ice being put into your glass when it's already full. Right. That's a that's a great, great way to put it. And so we know this is happening. I mean, the data shows it. I mean, we do but but do people still are there still people that are skeptical that it's happening? Are they in denial or are they just can't imagining life different from what they've known, so they just sort of put it out of their minds? Yeah, well, well
1: people are, and uh, pe- people do exist in the news bubble that they surround themselves in these days, and, th- and that's that's what we have to deal with. But the thing that breaks through the firewall, unfortunately... Is being involved in these types of situations, in these types of uh, massive wildfires, extreme drought, flooding situations, people start to have different conversations in the neighborhood that are than the conversations that they're locked into on their cable news or they're locked into on their Facebook feed. They start thinking, wait. M- Maybe there is something to this. So Simony Howell was telling me that, that her research shows that the more people experience these kinds of things, and this is a terrible way to change your mind, but the more people experience these types of events, the more likely they are to accept the science. And the science is irrefutable. I mean, it, you can see, for, for example, in Greenland, there's uh, there, there's a— there's a way to figure out how much water is coming off of Greenland because losing four trillion tons of ice is enough to change the world's gravity in that
0: area. Yeah, and then there's a satellite called GRACE that NASA launches, or GRACE, I think it's a GRACE, Grace follow-on F-O. yeah, now. Yeah. The GRACE uh, satellite's moved on, but GRACE FO is actually there now that can detect these gravitational changes. What it does is it's two school bus-sized satellites
1: that sit in front of each other, and as anything that has mass, anything that has mass, Creates gravity. So Greenland has a massive, massive ice sheet, so it has its own gravity. And when these two satellites, the two graceful satellites, go over Greenland and it detects something heavy. The distance changes. Just and it's a slight change. It's very but they slight. they got it, it can, nicely calibrated. Yeah, it can only be detected by a computer. But they are sweeping the Earth over and over again, and they can see places where there's more gravity and places where there's less gravity. You wouldn't notice it if you stood on a scale. You're not going to lose weight if you go to Greenland and gain weight if you go to the Amazon. That's not going to happen. But it's a slight difference so they could actually see how much water is being distributed and where that water is going, they can map this. So it's, we, that's how we know for sure that 4 trillion tons, 4, not billion, 4 trillion tons in the past 15 years or so have come off of Greenland.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills.
1: There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at
0: meta.com slash metaverse impact. And we're back on the Weather Geeks podcast, and I'm geeking out with Dave Malkoff on a topic that is very serious. Dave's a Weather Channel correspondent who has essentially been to Greenland enough to really have a sense of what's going on there from what I understand from listening to him it's it's dire it's not overblown look we're you know we are not I want to deal with this a little bit because we as scientists I'm a climate scientist Dave has studied this topic uh, extensively as well you often hear this oh it's not that bad or oh you guys are exaggerating or you are doing this look it is what it is, as they yeah. say. We are seeing these things happening, and it's not an alarmist viewpoint. It's science, and so Dave, what what do you you've you've covered climate change for a while now for the Weather Channel yeah. and for another. other. I mean, what is your sense of the mood of the country right now in terms of this? I mean, we've got all the data, our, 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 and you kind of alluded to this before the break. I mean. People are starting to I sense people are starting to come around
1: yeah it's 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 tough to to judge this because you judge it based on what you see on social media and you never know what's a real person what's a bot i I right. again Facebook is not real Twitter is not real it's it's the the real world is out there in nature <laughs> and to to base your worldview on what you see on the internet is I, I don't know it's 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 real it's really tough i I have the opportunity to actually go out there and I feel very lucky to be able to to go out and figure out these things and talk to scientists. I'm not a climate scientist myself I'm a journalist but i I have been able to talk to a lot of these folks and it, i my main goal is not to change anybody's mind with facts. And thats it's just not going to happen. If you have a worldview, I'm not going to change your mind from that. But what I can do is present what the science shows and just the science. And it, let's, just, let's just play devil's advocate and say that a climate scientist has overblown something or made something up. Well, that's not how science works. The, the, peer-reviewed studies are exactly that. They are studies that other people can can simulate or or actually go back and do the science over again and see if they come up with the same results. So if you were to make something up, scientists would love to disprove you. Sure.
0: Sure, I mean exactly, and I and I often say, look, you know, I I I hope I'm dead wrong about most of this because if I'm right, my kids are sort of the ones that sort of lose. So there's no vested interest, there's no secret club, there's no passcode to say, oh, you got to be in this sort of alarmist climate science community. So I I appreciate that you are doing uh, things like your program, which uh, meltdown, which again, I want to make sure you get the details on this meltdown explores meltdown. It premieres November seventeenth at ten p.m. Eastern uh, on the Weather Channel, uh, and you're going to really dive into sort of what you found and your experiences there in Greenland, and probably make some other connections too. I suspect in that program.
1: Yeah, it, it, and it's really, really neat to to be able to go to Greenland and and see this up close because there are things in the in the ice sheet when you when you see it from you know, 30,000 feet or you see it even from 500 feet that you don't realize the details of these glaciers and exactly what's going on there, uh, you see these little ridges on top of the glaciers, but you don't realize those those little tiny bumps and 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 like little jagged edges, those are the size of buildings. And to stand on top of it is incredible. We actually had a chance to go underneath one of the glaciers. I didn't even know you could do oh, this. Oh wow. <laughs> but I found a uh, a guy who's a glacier guide. His name's Nico Segreto, and he lives in Greenland part of the year, and he said, "You want to see an ice." Cave and I go, what's that? He said, he said, it's a place that very, very few people have been to, but it's it's a place that's undermined underneath the glacier, and you can get underneath the glacier and for hundreds of meters on top of you, there's just ice, ice. and boulders just suspended in the ice, and this is ancient ice that nobody's ever seen before. Wow. Let's take you there. Yeah. A massive ice sheet that's three times the size of Texas covers Greenland. We are walking across the Abu Siai glacier. This is the most unstable part of the cave
0: exactly, here. Exactly, yeah.
1: We asked glacier expert Nico Segreto to take us here. Nico took us into the ice cave he discovered just months ago. Uh, it's very magical spot to me. We're actually able to walk underneath it as it rains on top of us. from. Ancient snowflakes melting. That's it. What melts in Greenland affects the entire world. It's melting fast enough to raise worldwide sea levels by almost a millimeter every year. That may not sound like much, but remember, that's just the Greenland melt, just
0: one year. We can literally take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and weigh it, literally measure its isotopic ratios, and we can tell that it comes from burning fossil fuels. So we know the CO2 in the air comes from us. So how is it that
1: scientists know what the carbon content of the air is today versus tens of thousands of years ago? Well, the answer is right here. You see those Little tiny veins in there with those bubbles moving around. That is trapped ancient atmosphere in there. It's been squeezed so much, right? We are at the bottom of the glacier where the biggest pressure is and the oldest ice is.
0: So we're talking
1: tens of thousands of years old. This cave so far has been seen by 72 people ever.
0: There you have uh, an amazing experience. Can there. you believe that I, only seventy-two people? Yeah, and then so you know, I, if you tune into Explorers Meltdown, you're going to get a, a, a bit of insight into some things you probably haven't thought about. So uh, watch it and watch it with an open mind, even if you're a little bit skeptical. Hey, watch the information. Consume information. Don't be confirmation bias where you're just consuming information that confirms what you already believe. Uh, I know I try to listen to information and consume information and, and make informed decisions, not the ins- decisions that I already believe or that I want to believe. They, it, what, what surprised you? Well, go ahead and then I'm oh, going to ask you a question.
1: Oh, I was, I was, I was going to, using the word believe, which is, which is interesting. Um, in my conversation with, with the cultural anthropologist, Simony e. Howell from Rice University, she says people use that word only in the United States. Right. There's nowhere else in the world where they, where, when they talk about climate change, where they use the word belief. Because
0: science isn't a belief system. It right? has and nothing using, to do with yeah, belief. Do we because, believe the sun's going to yeah. rise tomorrow? Of course it is. That's not a belief yeah, system. You, you, ha- you can, a belief
1: is a, uh, it, it's a deeply fairy, held, right? yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a deeply held thought that you have in in, in your heart and it's not provable by right, science. Right. If the, the things that you believe in in your heart are not provable. Right. But these things are not a belief system. So maybe we should move away from using the word believe. I, you I, believe in climate change? You don't have to. I don't go around believing in gravity right. or believing that Atlanta exists. Right. I I don't I don't have these thoughts in my brain. I don't I just simply don't. I don't believe in gravity. Well, I if just if you believe in gravity. in gravity, what
0: happens if you go to the top of your roof and jump off? Do you believe in gravity then? Because you're going to jump, you're going to definitely fall. So I, I resonate with this point you make because it has sort of been sort of inserted into the narrative. And I, I get the question all the time. Do you believe in climate change? Um, Dave, what? surprised you the most about your time in Greenland and anything that just really you take take back uh, as you think reflect
1: it's it's just how how visceral it is and how fast it's actually moving and 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 melting away and this is faster than they than they predicted there was a uh, there there's places that we've gone to where you can see how fast it's moving within days. You, uh, Nico set a, a pile of rocks next to the glacier and came back nine days later, and the pile of rocks was two meters away from the glacier wow. because the glacier had moved that fast. And to see it actually melting into the ocean, I had no idea of the scale until i stood there and once you step on top of it i hope i convey this in the show is how big these things are and what what we start off doing the first story that we start off doing is when we go to the glacier is we tell you how the natural processes work to melt these glaciers glaciers melt they have for thousands of years, or millions of years. That's what glaciers do. The only change here now is the speed of the melting that we haven't seen so far. And the speed of the melting has to do with the heat of the atmosphere and the water together.
0: Right. Rate of change. I, I visited Glacier National Park with my family a couple of summers ago uh, in the beginning of the last century. I think there were a hundred or so glaciers there in the park. There are barely 20 or so now. And so I, I saw that with my own eyes there and you certainly saw it uh, in Greenland. Where where can people follow you in social media or learn more about your experiences in Greenland? Do you have a website or social media presence? I know you do, but can, give, give us your coordinates.
1: Yeah. I, I usually put out these videos uh, these Clips these tiny little clips and and, uh, and to kind of entice you to watch the show, but they do have content of themselves. I never want to put out just a tease for something. I want to I want to give you some content and something that's shareable, something that's that's uh, that's educational. Um, I do that on at Malkoff, which is M A L K O F F on Twitter. It's a uh, at uh, Malkoff Dave. At uh, Instagram and Dave News on
0: uh, on Facebook. Yeah. So I, I would encourage you to go to follow follow Dave in those social media platforms and be sure to catch um, uh, Explore's Meltdown on November 17th at 10 p.m. Eastern time. I, I don't think you'll regret it. Um, it's not necessarily an uplifting story, but I think it's an informative story and we all need to be informed.
1: It's an adventure, too. It's, it's something that you can come along with us on a Action-filled adventure. We even climb the glacier. I was able to take ice axes, throw it against the side of the wall of the glacier, and kick in with my with my specialty uh, boots that I had on. These things called crampons that have little teeth on the end of it. And we climb the ice wall, and we come up with solutions as well. There there are solutions in Iceland where they're coming up with new kinds of energy, new kinds of ways to capture the carbon, and there there is a positive message in here. It's an entertaining uh, adventure, too, but it, it, but it will give you some of the information that the science is telling us right now
0: we have to end it there this has been a fascinating discussion as i knew it would be i was excited to see that we were able to get you on the show dave thank you for joining us on thanks for having me And and if you want to hear more about weather geeks or follow us or geek out with us you don't have to just geek out with the podcast follow us on facebook and twitter for episode updates and all around just weather geek content thanks for tuning in i'm dr marshall shepherd from the university of georgia see ya